Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Up with the Chaldeans. I'm Anthony Toma, your host. And today we're blessed with the presence of Wiam Na'mu, the executive director of the Chaldean Cultural Center. She's also an author. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. That's good. I'm very glad to uh, that you took the time. Uh, you're, you've written a new book. Uh, yes, I'm always writing new books. Right. <laughs> but this particular one, um, the last one that I had written, has just uh, we're completing post production uh, for a feature film. Okay, what, what's the first book you writ- you wrote? You know, the first book was uh, published in 2004. It was called The Feminine Art, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that one it was a, a fiction, but it's based on a lot of true events about a Chaldean family living in Michigan. Okay, and I've just continued in that direction where I'm writing about Iraqi American or Chaldean American stories. Okay. Can you uh uh give us a little bit about more about what the book is about without spoiling the Well, the the one that was turned into a feature film, um it's called Pomegranate. Okay. And you know, during the 2016 elections, there was a lot of um tension between many communities, not just between the Muslim and the Christians, but between Republicans and Democrats. And it was very sad to see myself having been born in Baghdad, where I come from an oppressive region, um, where you really could not share, uh, your, share your political views, even mm-hmm. your religious views. It saddened me seeing everybody kind of going at it uh, in a way that they could just have a, a healthy debate. Right. And this is what we missed in Iraq. Um, my father, when the Ba'ath party was coming in, um, I was told the story of how he had made a, a comment about, you know, he criticized the, the party, mm-hmm. not not publicly or anything, just to a co-worker. And that got around to his boss. And then they ended up, you know, as punishment, they ended up relocating him somewhere very far from his family, which mm. really broke his spirit. Wow. And so coming from that region... Um, I said, you know, how am I going to handle this? I didn't want to, I tried to get onto social media to say a couple of things, but then I ended up in this like war of words. Yeah. And I thought, well, endless, how, endless, war endless war. Yes. And yeah. it felt very, um, it just didn't feel good because mm. that wasn't the intent. So I decided to use my creative energy to write a story mm-hmm. about a Muslim, um, family, refugee family, Iraqi, that's living across the street from a Chaldean family. Okay. And um the Muslim families well the girl that that is the lead of the character of the film um she's a liberal and the Chaldean family is a conservative and they just kind of they really just speak their minds and they're beautiful young females that I feel like dispel the stereotypes from what middle easterners are normally portrayed as whether Muslim or Christian. Um, they speak their minds and they're honest about it. And this is what we're missing today in our society is being able to have a normal, healthy, honest dialogue politically or religiously. Yeah. Do you think you're going to get some pushback from the uh, Muslim community uh, portraying a liberal Muslim girl in a, in a, in yeah, a, in a, I already did actually. Already, already yes, okay. I already have. It was my first book talk cancellation in 17 years mm-hmm. where, um, you know, the, Oh, they canceled your tour, the signing. It wasn't a tour. Okay. It was. I was invited to do a book discussion by um, a group that never does book talks, but they were so intrigued by the story, because one of the things it does, it really shows the honest perspective. It's it's a beautiful story. And by the way, the film, the 
Muslim family is portrayed is actually played by all Muslims. Okay. And the Chaldean family by all Chaldeans. Oh wow. And so it's interesting when the community they the cancellation happened. They said, "Oh, the the Muslim community found it very controversial." But to me, I thought, "Well, who's this Muslim community? The people that played in the film." Are Muslim. The woman that she did an amazing job. The 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 lead actress. She's Muslim. She played in it. So obviously, this is not representing all Muslim communities. And I think that's what happens in the Middle East. We kind of are just put into one basket. Like uh, people are not aware that there's different religions there. That there's different um, Muslim mentalities. There's there's a diversity, yeah. just like in every other culture. So yes, I got my book um, cancellation. And then, um, because they said it wasn't because of what I wrote, it was because the, the woman that was liberal, she was in the process of trying to decide what to do about wearing a hijab. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's very timely right now. So it's, it's, okay. Uh, yeah. And so this is the book. Um, so this book got you in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah, not enough to stop the film. The there film went, yep. It's, it's, um, you know, it's an, um, who's behind the film? So um, Scott Rosenfeld is uh, our executive producer. He's the producer of um, Home Alone and Mystic Pizza and other oh, great nice. titles. Okay. Um, I did, this was the first film. I've directed a, a, a feature documentary before, but this is the first featured narrative that I directed. I wrote the screenplay. It was selected quarter finalist by uh, Francis, DePolos, uh, Francis Coppola's, I'm sorry, Zeotrope. Mm-hmm. So, um there was a, uh, a Chaldean uh, producer in L.A., Sam Sacco, who was interested. The, the story is very lovable, actually. It's not political. You know, I saw, I saw, it's humorous, I saw the, uh, the, the trailer. trailer. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's captivating. It really it's is. It's captivating. And there's more humor to it. You know, Scott Rosenfeld, I remember, he was intrigued with the story before we signed on. Mm. But when he read the script, what he said is, he said, I was not expecting there to be so much humor. Right, right. It's filled with humor. And, you know, anybody who's been in our homes, uh, in our Middle Eastern homes, they find that aside from the food and the family-oriented atmosphere, we have we have a good time. We laugh and yeah. we joke at each other about a lot of things. Another thing that is missing in the media and in films is really that aspect of ourselves that is stereotyped. So... It's, it's unfortunate because of, of of a certain type of mentality that the, the book discussion was canceled because it was a, an opportunity to discuss different views, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I totally agree with opening dialogue and 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 listening to both sides or all all sides. I mean, you know, because all sides. you know, we say both sides because it looks like it's the left and the right or the this or that, but it's not. It's it's all sides. All sides are. Are, are different. So you, uh, you're the executive director at the Chaldean Cultural Center. Well, the Chaldean Cultural Center. So when I was, um, as a writer and as a filmmaker, you know, I am more, com- most comfortable just kind of sitting behind my con- computer creating stories. Mm-hmm. But also I think it's just natural in our heritage to kind of want to be of service, um, to utilize creativity as service or, I don't know, any of our given our God-given talents as service as well and not just kind of be self-absorbed about it. Um, and so when I was approached to be uh, the executive director of the Chaldean Cultural Center, I, that's when I saw that I can finally use my skills and talents 
to serve. Mm-hmm. I, I really, it was kind of, that's what drew me, um, to it because I don't, I'm, believe it or not, even though, you know, I have my own show and I do a lot of things in the public, I, but I like to be more where I'm writing and kind of behind my computer type of thing. But I think when you're at the point where you decide between you, yourself and, and, uh, your creator that, there's more to your life than that and you commit to that then when you're doing it for a purpose for some mm-hmm. kind of for a meaning then you put yourself out there and do what you have to do for the bigger picture yeah and and one of the bigger pictures is knowing that so very few people know that we the Chaldeans still exist yep the fact that you know a lot assume that we're extinct um not knowing what our history is not knowing about the general history of Iraq it's such because it's been so saturated with politics and war and stereotypes and unfortunate violence, negative things that are not necessarily all true right. or not, or it's not the only truth there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you are p- part of the, of the, of the commitment to preserve the Aramaic Chaldean Surat language. Mm-hmm. What is it at the cultural center that they're doing to help? With that, I know they offer classes. Why don't you enlighten the, the audience on, on how we can all pitch in to, to help? Yeah, so this was one of the most exciting things is that w- there was an interest for people to study Aramaic, um, the Chaldean language. And so uh, we started last year in January. We held our first classes at the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, our teacher is uh, Maher Araham. And uh, the and he continued. There was such high demand for it that the classes, uh, he, it's a 10 week class. And every time it ended, he started a new, uh, a new class mm-hmm. because of high demand for people who are not local. Then this, uh, the, this, uh, January when it started, um, he did it online. Mm-hmm. We have class for children that starts in April, which people can go on our website. It's KaldeanCulturalCenter.org. Okay. So we have a class coming up in April for, kids that will be held on Saturdays and he will continue doing his classes uh, for beginners as well as for advanced. So it has grown within a matter of one year. Um, again, because, you know, we realize the importance of doc, not just, you know, uh, preserving, but I, for me, it's also documenting our stories of course. and yeah. we've been doing a lot of programs for, to document our stories. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So they go to KaldeanCulturalCenter.org? Yes. Okay. So Mary Ramaya gave us a, a tour of the uh, the Chaldean Cultural Center uh, a couple of years back. I think it was I think it was before COVID. We, it was it was a great tour, very informative. Um, what can you tell the schools and the teachers and the people and the and, and superintendents of of the the surrounding areas? What pitch do you have for them, or what? kind of package do you have for them to come and visit the cultural center? Well, I think one thing that to realize is that, um, you know, ancient Mesopotamia, it's the cradle of civilization. Mm -hmm. It belongs to everybody because this is where writing the first city states. So it's not just related to the Chaldean uh, community or Mm -hmm. society. So much first happened there. Now, Others can say there are civilizations that are older. The difference is that in ancient Mesopotamia, because they documented everything on tablets. So we have, 
we have experiences. We can read what they went through, how they built things. And they're still every day they're discovering new and new things, including in Iraq. Um, and we're in, in regular contact with archaeologists in Iraq and just really um, imp- so impressed with their work. So learning about them, learning about this very sophisticated society that has unfortunately, yes, died over the years, but there's something there to learn for the whole world to mm-hmm. understand what that region is. And um, and then why is that region so neglected given all that it has given to us, all the contributions that it has made to the world? Why are other societies, why is Egypt more familiar with people than ancient Mesopotamia, to really kind of understand that, you know, this is where the wheel was invented, writing was invented, first city-states, amazing things that until today they don't know how they were built, um, and they're still trying to figure that out. When students come for field trips, they they see, um, they learn about the history aspect of it, but it also, and I've done a lot of um, in-person presentations as well. Yep. And this qualifies for uh, schools have to take certain numbers of hours, like six hours. Uh, I think I believe it's like a seventh grade um, that it qualifies for the genocide course that they have to oh, take. Okay. So Chaldeans, given that they had gone through several genocides, actually. Um, so we share part of that story, but we try we don't want to minimize that at all, the genocides that the Chaldeans and the Assyrians and other minorities have gone through. But at the same time, you know, we don't also dwell on that. But it is important to know that our communities have gone through that. And when certain people stereotype us when we're here and working hard and making it and not understand that part of our success is sometimes oppressive people have learned how to survive because they've come from such oppressive regions that they know how to just keep their heads down and work hard, and that's their only way to survive. That is part, aside from our heritage, where we came from, it's also part of our, I think, just like the Jewish communities and other minority communities, is we've found ways to make things work because out of nothing, because that was our only choice. You know, even independent filmmakers are the same. I work with an amazing team, we created, like my editor loves to, Jamal Adams loves to say, you know, we have a diff, we have a million dollar film on a low budget set because their heart and their soul is amazing. So knowing we're independent, knowing we're minorities or we have only certain resources, we made the best of what we have. And I think that's what Chaldeans have tended to do over the years. Yeah, I agree. That's a great description of the entire thing. So I now remember what I was going to say about your film. So the uh, my big fat Greek wedding caught fire and was a great relatable story that was not truly Chaldean based, but the Chaldean community understood exactly where that Italian family was going, what, what they were going through. Mm-hmm. We kind of mirror their the, the whole thing. Does this seem like the type of movie that can catch that kind of cultural fire? It already has. It already has, okay. Because our crew members, everybody, I mean, Scott Rosenfeld is a a Jewish man in Mm -hmm. Hollywood. He did not need to put his name in any kind of way into this project, but he so believed in it and so loved the humor. One thing that I like is that people pointing out the humor, which might not... um, 
which might not be as visible in the trailer yeah. because we created it more suspenseful. Yeah. Part of the suspense is the, the suspense of the leading actress, her inner suspense that mm-hmm. she's going through. But there's so much humor. We had people laughing on the set many, many times. And we would have to, we held our breath until like it was done. And then <laughs> we, we would be laughing yeah. at these scenes. Um, you know, when... When we came to the United States, we had to come through Jordan because you couldn't get a visa from Iraq. Yeah. And so my, my younger brother and I couldn't go to school. We lived in Jordan for about, for a little bit less than a year. And we couldn't go to school because we weren't considered residents. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened, but there was a book laying there called God, Gone with the Wind. Okay. So I picked up that book as a, as a reader from nine years old. This was over a thousand pages in Arabic. I read Gone with the Wind. Okay. And, I related so much to the characters. I related to Scarlett O'Hara, like thinking, oh, you know, this is how America is. But I, I saw myself in her because the author did an amazing job. Margaret Mitchell did an amazing job in bringing forward the human experience. Mm-hmm. So this story took place in the 1800s and it was about this Southern family, a Southern girl. And I related as a nine year old to her. Not because I was her age and not because I, I was from Georgia, but as a human being. And so, you know, much to my surprise, of course, when I came to Michigan, it was not, um, Georgia <laughs> in the 1800s. <laughs> I was like, okay, where's the horse carriages and the puffy dresses? Right. Cause I went to the first time to see, uh, they, my siblings saw that I was so entranced with this book. So they <laughs> took me to see my first film in air and, um, Actually, it was in English, Gone with the Wind with the Arabic subtitles. Okay. So here I am. I'm coming here thinking, you know, the puffy dresses, yeah. the horse carriage, the barbecue, the elaborate barbecues, elaborate naps. <laughs> of course, that wasn't the case. But that story gave me an impression of something that stayed in my heart about what America is about and the ability as a woman, this right. woman who was able to make choices, defeat odds, wars. So look how story can really touch you. Yeah. And my book was not intended to touch uh, any particular community, but the human community. Yeah. And I think that's why I, that's why I attracted an incredible team that till this day, I, I cannot repay them for the kind of work that they did to make, to help make this happen. Yeah. I think, I think humor is, is so relatable to everyone. And I think that's what made that big fat Greek wedding, such a, such a success was the humorous side of it and being able to laugh at yourself yes. as no matter where you come from, no matter what walk of life you're from, if you can laugh at yourself, then I, and, and if you can make someone laugh at yourself, then I think you've done something right to uh, uplift spirits and make people feel good and be a, be a, be a feel good story. I think, I think. Yeah. That, like, I think we're taking our, like, look at what's happening as we're taking ourselves so seriously. People like end up getting so angry and then taking each other too seriously when really, you know, you could just, I mean, if we lighten up and just see that it's, it's not worth it. I mean, we are yeah. human and we have flaws and we just to embrace our flaws. I think that's sometimes we, we are cornered in a way that that's all we have is just to embrace our flaws and our limitations and everybody's fighting against that. Um, and I, I think this movie allows us to see the human, the main character, she's a poet inside mm-hmm. who wants to be even a rapper. She's like seeing herself and imagining herself, yeah, right? Yeah. But she's limited by this, her family that, you know, things like she thinks they're thinking backwards or what have you. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Muslim, the family might seem Muslim, but that story 
I relate to it as a Christian. I grew yes. up feeling like in my head, I'm this, you know, I read all this literature and then I'm living with people that think, oh, books, you know, why do you have books around? So, um, but, you know, she, it's again, being able at the end of the day to love that family and yeah. say, you know what, God put me in this space. How do I make the best out of it? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, it would. With the Muslims and the Chaldeans, you know, they're, they're kind of parallel cultures and upbringings and all that stuff. It's just yeah. the difference is, is the beliefs. Some certain beliefs are different and, and, and that's it. Um, so, so give us a little bit of a history lesson. So Mesopotamia and then there was Assyrians and then Chaldeans and kind of just lay out a timeline for us for, for, for our, to educate our young, viewers well you know i'm um i think this is going to be like a lifelong thing for me until the last day that i'm on earth is mm -hmm. putting all these pieces together from ancient mesopotamia mm -hmm. which prior which started with the sumerians which prior to that they were like people that were nomads and they were hunter gatherers they would just go and wherever there was food this is where they lived mm -hmm. When they found the Fertile Crescent is when they gathered in this area and they started, you know, what happens in, in um, naturally when you find a place where you can eat and rest, then your creative process starts kicking in, then you can start building. So then they started building things because they were now, they can grow food rather than go and hunt for it. So they started building these amazing things that until this day exist and which we have learned so much from. Um what happened, as happens in many areas, is over time, different tribes came in and, you know, one conquers the other. And so they also, in the conquering process, you know, tried to change narrative, tried, tried to change stories. Mm. And it got to the point where we were almost like erased from history. So they started in the, in the South, based on the research that I did and uh, 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 interviews that I have done with bishops and the priests. And people that until today I'm connected to in Iraq, in Australia, all over the world. Where How do you consider the South? In Ur, land okay. of the Chaldees, yes. Okay. That they originated from that region and then for various reasons started um, going north. Mm -hmm. And to me, that doesn't sound too uh, far-fetched because look where we have traveled thousands of years from Iraq to here. Yeah. So for different reasons including wars and what have you they started moving to the northern parts of the region um and then uh, you know and the whole entire middle east at that point uh was speaking the aramaic language oh really thousands of years ago before christianity because aramaic stems from akkadian mm -hmm. the whole entire middle east was speaking aramaic imagine that um and then of course that changed when the arab conquest happened um, and, you know, and then so the people started adopting the Arabic language mm -hmm. and also the Muslim faith. And so, again, just like uh, sometimes when we compare ourselves to the Native Americans, it's that story of different people coming in and you just you assimilate into that. Um, and so you're right. That's why, you know, when you when you're working with the heart, I mean, we were I was born in Baghdad. So it was a Muslim city. Uh, my best friend, which I named the the person in the book, her name is Niran, and my best friend was Niran, who lived across the street from me. Mm. We did not know, I did not know, I knew she's Muslim, she knew I'm Christian, but we just knew that title and that that's where it stopped. 
you know, I loved her mom. Her mom took watched out over me like she was my mom and vice versa with her. And until this day, she has a very special place in my heart. When you work with the heart, these things as doesn't constitute your identity. Sometimes, again, another thing we get wrapped up with, I'm this and I'm that. You know, we didn't know who we were. We just knew that we connected and we loved each other. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, what's unfortunate in that region is that the idea of diversity, the idea of doesn't last yeah. or didn't last. And there was communities like the Jewish community and the Christian community could not continue there, which I think it would have been beneficial for um, that world. It would have been healthier if they would have allowed that kind of diversity because the Jewish community, the Chaldean community, the Assyrian community have incredible contribution, have yeah. made incredible yeah. contributions and still have still do, yeah. and still do. And, um, they lost that group and many of them who I talked to are not happy about that. You know, that happened, but maybe now through technology, we can continue to contribute to that world uh, by, by sharing our stories. And you know, right now this is where we have the largest population of Chaldeans in Michigan. And so we just have to embrace that and, and work with what we have. Yeah, definitely. And so, Chaldean Assyrian, what's the difference? If there's a difference, and ex just explain that for, because I get some pushback. Why? Why is it keeping up with the Chaldeans, and why isn't it keeping up with the Syrians? Why don't you do it keeping up with the Syrians? And I'm like, well, I'm Chaldean, but I'm guess I'm Assyrian too, and we're the same people. I just uh, my ignorance didn't think of that deep. I keeping up with the Chaldeans is where the name came from, and that's what we stuck with. So. Uh, help defend me on, 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 on that. Um, so when I first started um, working at the Chaldean Cultural Center, I had questions like, why is it called the Chaldean Cultural Center and not this and that? Why this? Why? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, first of all, I didn't name it. But right. second of all, there's the Assyrian um, Center in Chicago. Okay. Right? Yeah, um, there's the Arab there. American um, Museum. Mm -hmm. There's the Iraqi Foundation. There's the Arab American There's when you call a name that it's representing the Chaldean community, why not call it that? Mm -hmm. um, personally, based on research that I have done, which we are working together with groups, again, all over the world, there is a um, difference. And whether that difference started in the 1500s mm -hmm. through the Vatican or before that, I think the main problem what's preventing us from really seeing um, addressing this issue is this force of being identified as somebody that you don't want to identify as or vice versa. So, for instance, uh, we get pushed back like I have somebody on social media who tags my name all the time. She doesn't identify themselves. I mean, this is so convenient, right? <laughs> when you are behind the scene, you yeah. put this avatar. And I said, do you want to discuss this on my show? You are more than welcome. Door I'm inviting open. you. The yeah. door is open. You want to do programming in, in, in at the center? Years. Do you want to have a forum? I'll create a whole entire event to have this discussion. Uh -huh. Nobody shows up. Yeah. That in itself shows me that the person that is um, fighting, yep. they're, they lack, a, they're not equipped enough for the entire argument yep. that we would need um, an additional show. And 
I will come back the day that I publish a book on this. Okay. All right. Let's so do I it. can, so I can discuss it on its own, but there are many, many differences. And I think out of respect, rather than going onto Wikipedia and changing any word that has the word Chaldean to Assyrian, mm-hmm. and then rather than trying to force their identity, which, you know, what people resist automatically, anytime there's a, you're enforcing something on somebody, automatically they, they resist it. Let's have a dialogue. Same thing with pomegranate regarding Muslims, whether you're talking about Muslim, Christian, Assyrian, Chaldean, Republicans, Democrat. Do you know how much, how healing communication is? And I'm telling you this coming from somebody who the seeds of fear was implanted inside of me being born in a region where my father couldn't share his views, where we had to live in a house that was very, very thick walls. And we were afraid we would talk in whispers. And as a child, I'm like, why are we whispering? (laughs) Who's listening? I literally look around thinking, who's here? Why are they whispering? Well, this is very unhealthy. And the unhealthy factor shows in how that region has been unable to grow. It keeps going backwards. Backwards, Because look how the First Amendment, how important that was. And I I did not realize um, as a a child the importance of that until now I'm thinking, wait a minute. Mm. That right there, because when I allow you to express yourself and you allow me, then that diffuses the anger right there. Sure. If I don't, you will go home and you will be fuming Mm -hmm. and you will plant maybe something more violent or something else against me. Even if it's just energetically unhealthy, just these angry thoughts, you might even hurt yourself, right? Not maybe me, but out of that anger. So what, what really bothers me about the Assyrian and the Chaldean community is this rift that can be massaged and healed through dialogue and not by just going off on us. Somebody having just spewing all this hatred on social media when I'm saying, please, I'm inviting you to come. Bring your scholars. Let's have a conversation about this. And I have gone to the extent where we have created groups to do extensive research, not to prove anything wrong, anybody wrong. No, but to really understand. We just want to understand the history behind this. And if they want to join us, that would be great because then we could do the research together. Yeah, well, that's that's. It sounds like a great offer, actually. I mean, yeah, and 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 a, and a great collaboration. That would be. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna trace your history. That's there was what could, what and, could be more. And this is a sincere offer. I have one of my books right here um, again because I think art dispel this uh, spells. spells all these identity things that we're caught up with. Um, this is Mesopotamian goddesses. I love this artist, Paul Batu, mm-hmm. Assyrian. He's written beautiful Assyrian books and, and where he shows his artwork. Yeah. He's one of my favorite artists. Um, uh, there's several Assyrian artists that are just really amazing. Yeah. Stefan, uh, Renee Stefan. He is, I mean, they, and for me, when I love it, fall in love with that, what, I don't, I want to learn more about you. If right. you're a Syrian, if you're a Chaldean, if you're a Yazidi, if you're black or white or Jewish or Christian, whatever you want to identify as, I want to appreciate your work. And so I chose his um, artwork for my cover because he's great. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what I'm looking at. So him and I, when we get into a dialogue, 
this is not what we're, we're not trying to take away from our, each other's right. identity. I am trying to honor his identity. Yeah, correct. Th- through working with him, yeah. you know. No, that's great. So, Pomegranate is, the book is out? The book is out. It's okay. an audio book, ebook, uh, print. So, people, if the, the film is that, that close, we're, we're getting ready to submit it to film festivals. Um, so, you have a couple of months to read the book before the uh, movie comes out. Is there anything that we can do to help push the book, push the movie as as an audience? Um, for right now, uh, I think just watching the trailer and liking mm-hmm. it, you could do something as simple as that. Remembering that um, this is the first Iraqi American feature film, and it's led by women women talent and um you know we always complain about our stories are not being heard or we don't get the right representation and then we get all these people blocking canceling this book thing or Mm -hmm. even when netflix had a couple of uh middle eastern movies and then the middle east was upset about them how are we gonna get our stories out if we are gonna be blocked left and right because people don't align and are not okay with the changes that are happening. I think just by watching it, it's two minutes and liking it, you're starting something. The trailer. And that's, yes. Okay. For right now, that is really all you have to do by purchasing the book and reading it to under, to better understand the dynamics between the two communities. It's, and it's another aspect and to really understand the difficulties and challenges of women whether Christian or Muslim, that w- women have in the Middle Eastern community when she is trying to find her own voice and trying to gain her own independence. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Where'd the name come from, Pomegranate? Pomegranate is a biblical name. It's in uh, Iraqi, it's Rahman, and Rahman is a Hebrew word. And it has a lot of biblical significance about the, um, the healing powers. To me, b- before I even knew of its biblical strength to me a pomegranate really represents iraq and it's a fruit that uh, one of the queen kababa held a pomegranate in her hand there's a statue of her she was the only queen in the sumerian list of sumerian kings she was the first and last queen to ever reside there um to me i look at it that the pomegranate is is reminds me of earth and when you cut it and you see all these seeds, we yeah. are all the same. I mean, each seed, if you're going to measure it and weigh it, might be slightly, slightly different. And all these membranes look like they're different borders, yeah. you know? But we're all part of this earth. So symbolic. We're There's, all apart. Yeah. We're working. We're, we're together. Whether we like it or not, we are the same and we are together. And sometimes we are paying so much attention about these little tiny very, very tiny dots of differences um, when really we're just a, 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 be, a part of a very beautiful thing and that we could, uh, and, and if you read about the biblical meaning of it, you see how much unity yeah. and, and uh, prosperity that we can create together. Imagine if that was the mainstream media's message, what the world would look like. Well, you know who can change that is mm-hmm. the people. The yep. people have to not like, not be addicted to stories that are so divisive. They, we have to find a way to work together. I mean, on the set of Pomegranate, we had black, white, Christian, um, Muslim, 
everybody working together as a family. The Jewish, yep, the Jewish, everybody was working together as a family. And we couldn't even pay attention to our whatever because we were busy working for something bigger. And you know what? We did it because of the work and because of our faith and what the story was about. And, you know, we, we were, to me, I felt like, well, the book was, the book talk was canceled, but because the book talk was, um, an attempt to show diversity, right? And, 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 (laughs) but you know, we didn't need them. We lived like a family on the set for three weeks and, and we portrayed it. We didn't have to talk about it. And I created family friends out of that. Um, thank God. Did uh, some Bistiathas show up on the, on the set for <laughs> Well, let me tell you, you know, uh, everybody really appreciated the Middle Eastern food. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. You have to have the Middle Eastern food. Sure. Um, but, you know, what we had on there, I think, more than anything was the talent and the soul of, of, a, of many people. That's very yeah. cool. I can't wait to watch this movie. I swear, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the audio book. Who narrated? Who narrated the audio book? Um, actually, my niece is a professional narrator, okay. and her name is Sandy Nemo. Okay, and she's studied with um major successful narrators. Um, we've done cool. thousands of books. Yeah, I'd so like she to have her on the show. Yeah, she has time. She to she's amazing. She is so busy now that she has like I think uh she's backed up for weeks. Um, or months on books that she's really? narrating. Wow. This was the first book she narrated, and right after that, she started getting jobs left old. and right. <laughs> she blew her up, huh? Yep, yep. That's very nice. So, we close out every show by asking our guests, what does it mean to you to be Chaldean? Well, to me, it means um, that I come from an ancient land that, you know, an ancient land that, um, I was born there for a reason. At some point, I tried to get away from being Chaldean. And then I realized, no, I was born in that reason, in that land for a reason. It's where my ancestors are from. And that, you know, part of serving in the world is just to understand why God placed us in a certain land and what we need to do moving forward to benefit from the world based on why we were born somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we have a, we have a beginning, we have a middle. But we use that beginning um, to better build our our presence and then to better build a future, utilizing our past. That's oh, really very mostly what it means. Yeah. So, so w- when you said you were you tried to get away from being Chaldean, what did, what did you mean there? Oh, I tr- I just thought like, well, what is Chaldean? Like, it's uh, to me, it looked like such so much limitation, and so I. I tried to even travel and live abroad um, in order to s- get away from that because I wanted to see culture and I wanted to see rich history, which I did. I traveled the world and it was an amazing experience and come to realize I'm like, well, this is really great. But I also have, after traveling mm-hmm. and experiencing and enjoying and appreciating what the world has to offer, then I came back and I thought, well, what about my history? What does that look like? And then I realized, well, that's one of the most interesting. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty it's cool. Pretty cool. All, I, yeah. think, I think I don't need to travel as much anymore. <laughs> right. Well, thank you for joining us. Everybody out there, pick up the book, um, like and share the video, the trailer. Uh, check out her podcast. 
Um, and uh, follow her on social. She's a very interesting person. Go see her at the Chaldean Cultural Center. Uh, you're everywhere. You're doing everything. This was very enlightening, very enjoyable conversation, and I appreciate you. Thank you Thank so you. much for having me. I appreciate what you do as well. Thank you. Thank you.